Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not replace your own financial, tax, legal, or financial product advice. Do you want to be more productive with your work and with your life? Well, this episode's for you. Do you want to maybe start your own business one day? Well, this episode could be for you too. There's an Australian startup company called Espresso Displays. And before we even get into that episode, I want you to open Instagram and check out the device because this device, it's a portable touchscreen that you can put in your backpack, plug it into your laptop, plug it into your computer, and it's on your desk. It's on the cafe table. It's in the library. And you can have dual screens wherever you are. And I'm talking with Will Scuderi, one of the co-founders of Espresso Displays. And we're going to unpack the tech behind this product, the journey to start up behind this product, what the plans are for the future of this product. And I might even call one of my team members without notice and see if they like their Espresso Display Will, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast today. Thanks, Glenn. It's a pleasure to be here. All right. You're listening to My Millennial Money. Let's get into it. Will Scuderi, Espresso Displays co-founder. Why did you start Espresso Displays and what are they? Thanks for the question. So, this happened back in 2018. Uh, and back then, we were uni students, so myself and, and my co-founder. Uh, and being uni students, we were looking to, to do assignments, to do our projects uh, at uni. And the crazy thing was, we actually had to go home to do our projects, to do our assignments, because there was a lack of screen real estate at uni. So, we needed a way to be able to take that that office experience so you get uh, at an office or at uni with multiple monitors and and t- convert that on the go. And there was no solution out there at the time that enabled that. We thought that was really strange. We looked at the market stats and we could see that there, there was a big shift to, to work from anywhere. This was before COVID. So this was back in 2018 uh, when people were starting to become freelancers. The statistic at the time that I like to quote was uh, by 2028, in the US, more than 50% of all people were going to be freelancers. We're going to be working for themselves. So that's a huge amount of people. Most people buy tech products uh, because they're, you know, their employers giving them to them. It's not that they go and do the research and buy them. And if people are freelancers, now they're going to be, they're going to need some more help there. What do they buy? What's the best tool for them? What's a tool that's going to enable them to work better from anywhere? So we, did that market research and we, we had a look at how difficult is it to make an actual product because the solutions at the time weren't very good and we wanted to have a go at this ourselves uh, and the best way to do anything is to try it for yourself and learn. Uh, manufacturing is an extremely tough thing to do uh, on your own uh, so we, we need a lot of help for that and we started developing a business case of why is this the product that people need, uh, what is it going to look like, how is it going to help people how complex is it to make it? What's the defensibility? All those basic, the, the, the complex but basic business questions you need to answer before going into that. For us, it was also a way to, you know, how do we make our own business? How do we 
introduce consumer electronics into Australia? How do we start making products that people are going to love and affect their lives, but make them from here, from Australia? And so we, we spent a lot of time uh, close to customers, asking people what they wanted, uh, and we came up with a few prototypes. Uh, and eventually we decided our go-to-market plan was to try a Kickstarter so if you've heard of, have you heard much of the Kickstarter? Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. So it's uh, pretty much you build a product, you pitch it to a lot of people uh, online, and then you see what support you get. And, you know, at the time we were, it was uh, just finished university at, at, uh, in a grad job uh, and uh, doing grad job during the day. And then at nighttime, it was working on the startup, working on espresso. Uh, and, uh, you know, that meant working you know, the, the standard hours during the day and then nighttime all night until you, until you get the block of work done that you had to. Mm. And eventually we, tra- uh, we tracked towards an October 14, 2019 launch date. Uh, we launched online and did really well that night. I remember going to sleep uh, really late, really, really, really nervous that the next day wasn't going to be good performance. But I woke up and, and had some success and then that just kept carrying on, kept continuing. Uh, and it reached a point that uh, we said, uh, like, oh, oh shit, like we need to move to China and go build this product and, mm. and go learn manufacturing, build a supply chain, get really close to the design community, understand how to make it a, a real physical product. Uh, it all started. Yeah, it all started from there. All right. Well, thanks for coming on the podcast. We'll uh, see you guys soon. <laughs> <laughs> Lots going on there. Um, great intro from idea to startup to crap. This thing's taking off. What did you study at university? Yeah, so my background is mechanical engineering. Yeah, cool. My friend's a mechanical engineer. Oh, yeah? Yeah. yeah. He's a real piece of work. No, joking. <laughs> um, okay, and you obviously, you weren't in a, to do the assignments, like you, there's big footprints needed for type of design work, right? That's right. Uh, so, you know, for us, just having a second monitor, being able to shift uh, your design, your CAD, let's say your computer-aided design, maybe your, your SolidWorks or whatever tool you use, having that on a larger display that's not your 13-inch laptop yep. is essential. You know, you're kind of limited by how much you can see, how much you can do by the size of your screen. Yep. So having that second one, being able to have two monitors that you can take with you uh, just made so much sense to us. And, you know, laptops are made to be portable, but why aren't the rest of the IT equipment mm. designed around the way we work? So to be very clear for people who are like, what the hell are we talking about? Imagine a, a 15-inch type iPad just for the visual, like the same thickness. And you might tell me that it's two mil thinner or something. Slightly thinner, yeah. Yep. Um, imagine a big screen like a tablet that you plug USB 3 into, Yep, you plug your USB-C. And it's, yeah, it's bus-powered, which means the power comes through the USB bus. And that's kind of like saying rat test, because I just said USB bus. It'd be like saying universal serial bus bus. <laughs> anyway, sorry. <laughs> that's right, yeah. Um, <laughs> it is one of those things. And it's got a... And these guys were kind enough um, to send us some to try. And seriously, I must stress that you know, usually, you know, these infomercial things like, I'll be like, yeah, you can come and talk about your brand, but you pay, but I literally want to talk to you. So, and you were kind enough to go, well, if you're going to come on the podcast, at least try it. So, the team have been using these displays because I've got a remote team and the nature of our work, so Nathan will be editing this on um, Adobe Audition and then on his espresso display, he's got it inverted so it's um, portrait yeah. on the magnetic stand that's a collapsible stand that it comes with and he's got his spreadsheet and his workflow stuff there. So, he can just go between stuff. So, it's in terms of productivity, 
I probably would have just bought three of them. Why did you give this them? Um, <laughs> yeah, 100%. And you so, touched on yes, some good points around that auto-rotation. Um, it's the display, but it's developing the features inside that that mm-hmm. really helps someone be more productive from anywhere. Yeah. Now, I, I think it's such a big deal because last year when I wrote my book, I flew to Queenstown in New Zealand and I'm like, oh, I'm going to be here for like 10 days, turned into three weeks. But I, and I was like, I went straight to the computer store, bought a big Samsung monitor, put it on the desk. Like one of these displays would have solved all my problems. So I didn't look like an idiot with a carry-on Samsung box on the way home. Um, so it's just the, it's the total game changer in terms of if you're the gig economy that's desk-based, it's um, if you do work from home and you want a little bit of a portable display, and I will say, I don't know why I'm here selling it for you, but whatever, I'm here. <laughs> I will say, like, my team, like, they might go and work from a cafe for 10 minutes, right? They could probably, if they really wanted to be a pain in the ass at the cafe, to the cafe, take their display and have two screens at the cafe, right? Like... It's just the ultimate productivity tool. Exactly. Yeah. 100%. So, okay. So, that's kind of what it is, everyone. Now, I thought it was interesting. So, it was taking off. You're like, okay, well, we need supply. Lay the land at the moment. How many people actually work as an employee in the company? So, currently, there's 20 full-timers and there's a few casuals and part-timers as well. Is that 20 full-time Australia-based or have you got international team? Yeah, so there's one that's permanently overseas yep. uh, and they help look after our supply chain. Cool. It's being an extensive thing and we've, you know, they're from all over, from all over the world. We've got components coming yep. uh, and the rest of them are, yes, in, just in Surrey Hills here. Yeah, so amazing startup story with um, creating jobs in Australia and tech, right? So congratulations and thank you for doing that. One thing I wanted to ask you, because I've got probably more questions for you than, you know, you've got comments to make for me. You, you talked about China and we know that China is kind of the factory of the world, right? So, we go and make stuff from China and, you know, you can get China. It's funny. It's like you can get the cheapest crap in the world and premium stuff, right? Like it's kind of like, look at iPhone, for example, pretty premium, comes out of China. You can probably buy a $100 phone from somewhere that's rubbish, right? Comes out of China. I found it interesting that your displays, and I may add, um, they're touchscreen and they come with a pen as well. They're not made in China. Where are they made? Why aren't they made in China? And talk to us about that process. Yeah, awesome. So, China is has become the world's uh, leading manufacturer um, for, for a long time now. Uh, and their expertise in producing... Uh, components uh, that are used in devices all around the world is second to none. There's a reason why uh, that it's very hard to move away from China. And a lot of companies, most companies that make anything are dependent on China. There's a reason for that. Uh, so there's always, there's never going to be a situation uh, that you can remove your entire supply chain away from there. The uh, the depth of, of uh, knowledge and expertise and research that has been put into uh, manufacturing there for things like your base level chips uh, and components uh, is, yes, yeah, second to none. So, we're, we're, we're assembled in, final level assembly happens in Malaysia, uh, not in China, but there's a, um, there's a few components that will have to come from China and we see that happening uh, into the future. Uh, but the goal is always to, what can we do in Australia? What can we do here to help uh, add value to the product in this country? And uh, 
you know, it all starts with the design uh, and design all happens here in Australia. You know, the highest value items will always be being close to your customer, really understanding their needs. So the distance between the customer's pain points and where you design for those pain points are really close, they're really central. So that's the highest value item. Then we can go to the second tier of that and it's how do we turn those designs into physical product? And a lot of the supply chain is sourced still in China, uh, but there's opportunities to bring a lot of the high value stuff even here in, in Australia's borders. So things like, uh, you know, cutting metal, uh, you know, CNC aluminium, that stuff can be done here. Final level assembly, that stuff can be done here. It's difficult to do things like, you know, SOC, uh, chip production. Uh, a lot of that ownership happens in Taiwan or in China, for example. Uh, so those things will be a longer term play. But things that are like assembly or, you know, uh, using uh, metal, aluminium, cutting that and then putting the box boxing it all together, that can happen here. There's nothing stopping that uh, as long as you uh, do it effectively. Yeah, so it's fascinating. Like, it's a startup tech company. So the idea has been created by you guys. At what point do you say, okay, well, where, like, how micro did you design? Did you design all like the circuitry, like the diodes, the anodes, the, I don't know, all that stuff, the resistors, you know, the, did you design everything or did you go, we need this and then you outsourced that portion of it to a different company? How micro did your team and you and your co-founder go? Yeah, great question. So there's, there is a limit to what uh, a team can do. You know, when you start off as one person, then two people, then five people is different to what you can do when you're a thousand people or you, when you're 10,000 people. So that's why you'll see companies like uh, Apple now launching their M1 chip, if you've heard of that. Yep. Uh, I've got one. Awesome. They're, how good are they? They're, they're really fast. Super fast. And I'm more of a Surface guy though. So it's running an Intel or an ARM, an ARM processor. Intel. Intel. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So you know, Apple leveraged Intel for a long time. Yeah, and they kept uh, expanding and scaling vertically to the point that now that they make their own processors. Yeah, and because of that, they're you know ten times faster than anyone else, and they're really deepening uh, their supply chain and relying less on other companies. So their product roadmap is only the only thing that affects that is Apple, mm. not de- depending on what's Intel going to release in three years' time or are they going to release in five years' time. Well, it makes sense that Apple's a, a bigger than probably every chip manufacturer anyway. That's right, so, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so just to answer your yeah, question yeah, sorry, yeah, on, uh, on what level we go to. Yeah. So there, there are things that uh, make sense for us and there are things that make sense to, to get support on. So if we have something like the display, inside there, there'll be a, a touch glass panel, right? So that glass is converting whatever you touch on that into an electrical signal and talks to the, the circuitry inside. So there's, it makes sense for us to work on some parts of that, but not all of it. And some of that will work with our vendors. Some of that we'll do ourselves. It depends on what's what's most defensible for us, what's important for us versus what can be given away to a contractor. Is the touchscreen, for example, proprietary yours or are you just getting that in go, oh, we need a touchscreen. Can you help us? Like what? What's that about? Yeah, so we, first of all, we developed Touch for Mac. So sure. that's a, a big deal for, for Mac users who are accustomed to not having a Touch experience on Mac. Yeah. So we've designed and developed for that. And so the way we uh, input those Touch signals and then process them, do something with them, uh, and then output them onto the display, that's uniquely ours. The way we achieve that is uniquely ours. Yeah, cool. And we identified that as a high value item. And so for us, that means working out how do we do that better? What does the customer need from that? What things can we design in that experience to make it 100 times better than the next best thing? 
and spending time, uh, you know, the, getting the algorithms right, the firmware right, so that we can release uh, a touch for Mac product that is second to none. Well, it's interesting, like, it's got nothing to do with your displays, but you're into tech and I like it too. Like, one of the reasons I like my Surface is if I'm reading a PDF, I can just, if I'm at a cafe, just scroll with my finger. Do, why do you reckon Mac haven't gone to touch it? Do you reckon because they've got that much supply of stock and screens and they need to get rid of that first? Like, what do you reckon their rationale is with for not going touch? Yeah, it's interesting to see their iPad lineup slowly merge with their, their Mac lineup. Yeah. So, you know, iPad split from iOS to now it's iPad OS. Right. Uh, and now they can run each other's apps and the it's M1... Convergence coming, maybe. That's right. The M1 architecture is a lot closer to Apple's, the iPhone, and the iP- iPad architecture. Mm. So, they're kind of merging into a point in the future. If we accelerate 10 years in the future or 15 years in the future... We know a lot of these big tech companies are looking at the next thing. Is that a visual? Is that a pair of AR-driven glasses? Or is that an audio-driven robots? So they're all looking to that future. We know it's converging to some point, uh, which is why we remain focused on today and providing the best uh, work from anywhere solution today Mm. rather than jumping ahead uh, 10 years into the future. But I think that, to answer your question, yeah, that's that's the... Uh, the reason, the reason why it is, it is converging, but uh, there's a distinct user with who uses an iPad versus who uses a Mac at the yeah. moment. Yeah, and I think that's you know you, you look at manufacturing at scale, and you look at car manufacturers that have the platforms for cars. Like it's you know you think oh why didn't they just do that? Well, we've got to redesign the whole process just to do that one thing. We'll do it next platform, maybe. I don't know. Just to we'll take that as a comment, Glenn. Um, so my I get my biggest question is, and the reason I wanted to get you on the podcast to talk about your story comes down to one question, and I'm going to ask you after the break. So we'll be back. If you're after personal financial advice, don't get it from a podcast. If you would like help based on your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com, click get help, and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted advisors. Our panel of advisors, mortgage brokers, and accountants work with clients all over Australia so they can connect with you wherever you are. That's sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. 
Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Okay, we're back. Welcome back. Did you have a good break? Good break. Feel refreshed. Love it. Ready to keep going. Thanks for being here, Claire. Hey, everyone. How you going? This is Claire. She's part of the team at Espresso. So I wanted to ask you, you've got a cool product. You've effectively created what might become a commodity. So how do you stop the idea from someone at Samsung, for example, going, that's cool, they flex their muscle and the next minute just be like you've got a cool grocery store and next minute Woolworths cotton onto oh it's a cool way to do it and they just flex their muscle and it kills your little groceries like how are you combating those pressures when you're trying to enter a tech space that is ultimately could be seen as a commodity yeah I love this question uh, because it goes back to customer and understanding what the customer's needs are what do the users do with your product what are they trying to do What do they want to do? The closer we can understand that, the faster we can develop uh, and stay ahead and in touch with what they need. So, for example, if we look at Samsung or Lenovo or Asus, they're all existing huge companies out there. The way they do manufacturing or the way they approach a a product like ours is they will reduce the size of a 24-inch monitor to something that can fit in your bag. So that may tick one of the boxes for the user. They want a way to be productive from anywhere, cool, small screen, fits in bag, tick. But what they're missing on is really understanding what do the users do, what do the people do, what do their customers do when they're on the go? Are they trying to mark up a PDF, review a sales sheet? Are they trying to you know, use their display vertically and trying to, to get into that A4 format? Uh, are they trying to draw on your display? Are they trying to create? Are they trying to? Are they working at a uh, animation studio? Are they trying to uh, do three D modeling? Once we understand what they dis- what it is they're doing and the way that they would desire to do that, we can introduce new features and uh, new ways of doing things that would be in a different direction to what your competition's trying to do. So for us, staying really close uh, means we can design experiences that exceed all expectations of the customer and win them on that product love level. Building a product they love that they're happy to take out of their bag and show. We know we've we've got customers all all over the world. Uh, So, you know, tens of thousands of customers around the world that are super excited to be using our product. Uh, And a lot of what they say in common is they take their product out of their bag and they're excited to share it. They're excited Mm -hmm. to show it off because we understand that our customers care about the technology they use and they only want to use the best product. And so for, for them, the way it looks is important or the way, you know, it feels the way how it feels when you draw on it is important. Mm. And so nailing those experiences and staying in front of their needs is, is crucial. Would you say that, like, as an example, if uh, another company flexed their muscle and pop, popped out a similar thing, you could say, well, that's cute, but we're still going to be what we're about and we niche down. So maybe if you're a work from home data analyst, sure, use whatever. But if you are a designer and you do value precision, if you'd like, then you kind of niche down into that subcategory. 
Yeah, that's one ex- one e- one example yeah. for sure. Yeah, uh, we've got uh, a bunch of so designers is, is one huge persona that uh, we're looking to help more achieve their uh, productivity goals anywhere and achieve uh, a, in a way to create and illustrate from anywhere. So that's one example. But even the you know our our, our core persona at the moment, the, the our user is someone that's in business or someone that's in technology. And they're looking to be more productive from anywhere. Mm. So, for example, uh, perhaps they uh, use two displays and the applications they use on there, they're trying to get more out of those applications. So, something like providing software to enable them to easily manage their workspace would be something that's hugely desirable for them. And it's something that the other manufacturers aren't looking at because that's not ticking the box of making a smaller monitor. That's going above and beyond what their customers' expectations are. So we're delivering a customer experience that is 10 times better than, than what the competing manufacturers are. Do you have a, a, a patent, patent pending on it? Or how do you pronounce that? Patent? Yeah, patent. patent yeah. yeah, gosh, I'm a bogan. <laughs> uh, is that application progress in tow? Yeah, so we design a piece of software called Espresso Flow, which you can download now. And that piece of software has a roadmap to it. And a lot of the value addition we're giving to our customers, a lot of the experiences we're going to create for them live inside this software. So Espresso Flow, yeah, available now. Right now, it can help manage your displays. Uh, and in future, is going to have a lot more functionality uh, to help you uh, work from anywhere. Okay, so the, the quote-unquote hardware tech isn't patented, but the IP of the control and the software is. So there are uh, patents on different parts of the technology that we, uh, you know, your patent strategy or your IP strategy, it's important to have that running, uh, I'm going to say tally of of legal documents that help support your understanding and depth of that market. Mm. So we wouldn't put patents on things that uh, are going to be hard to defend, uh, the best way to to, to f- defend your company in, in this regard is to stay ahead of the competition and really stay close to the customer yeah. and keep – it's a process of developing new ideas that is important, more important than the idea itself. Yeah. If we can always keep developing at the forefront, just like what Apple does, they keep staying in front of what the customer needs, uh, then that's the best way to defend. So we, we do have patents where they make sense, but uh, other times it com- comes down to cost and you don't want to try to patent everything. It's about mm. having the right amount in the right areas. Yeah, now, what's your kind of, because I'm thinking like the more you're talking with customers and your core community, over time, like you might find the next thing that you guys make, and I don't know if you've got a roadmap of stuff, but like what could really explode could come off the back of p- talking with people who use your current products, right? And going, oh, we've got this. And, you know, then you find you go down that rabbit hole, like, is there a roadmap for any other products? And you don't have to say what they are if it's not um, public yet, but where's your thought process on that? Yeah, 100%. The customers that we already have uh, do have more pain points and more problems that need solving and that are being ignored by the, the greater tech, the tech community. And a lot of that is because it's it's a huge barrier to entry to, to launch a hardware product. It takes a, you know, it's usually a big, uh, a big tech company, a hardware company that's, you know, seeing what's happening in vendors overseas, buying that, white labeling it and putting it out there. But it's not starting from problem first. It's not starting from customer first and being really close to them and what their needs are. So the software, in, in, in software, it's done really well. 
Uh, and that's, you know, software is huge in Australia at the moment. So it's huge in upcoming industry in, in, in Australia, in, in Sydney specifically. And they're very good at staying super close to the customer and des- designing experiences uh, by being agile on the fly. But that's not done in the hardware world. Mm. Uh, but we have a chance to do that. It is difficult. It is much more difficult to get started in, in hardware. Uh, There's huge costs associated with it. Of course, you're buying real real physical goods. Uh, but get, getting merging hardware and software to the point that you're agile with hardware too is something that we're close to. How much did you raise in the um, what's the GoFundMe for business? What do they call it? The Kickstarter. <laughs> Kickstarter. Yeah. yeah. How much like capital did you raise from Kickstarter for the first prototype? Yeah. So between Kickstarter and Indiegogo, which is the follow-on platform, yeah, uh, we had over fifteen hundred customers. We're northwards of two thousand, so it was about seven hundred thousand dollars through through those those platforms. Wow. And like, did you have to get any other funding? Yeah. So uh, in order to uh, keep scaling and keep the momentum up, uh, it was important for us to uh, find the, the right partners to do that. Uh, you know, there's there's huge uh, considerations when it comes to scaling a business uh, like ours. And when we launched on, on e-commerce uh, and now we're on Amazon as well, uh, and really focusing on B2B, it's, it's important to have the, the right amount of stock to be able to, to fulfill a lot of what the customers are asking for. Uh, so we did, uh, we, we did look for, for, for help and, and, uh, uh, have a pro- and, and did find the right partners to help us do that. So, and just because I love business as well as tech, so I've just got lots of questions. Tell me to shut up if it's um, private and we'll just, you don't have to answer it, it's all good. Yeah, there's, there's some stuff I, I won't yeah, be able to. Yeah, that's fine. Um, but what's, so is the, the structure of the, like it's a proprietary limited company and yep. you've got, uh, some people that have put some money in, um, are they shareholders? Was it a, a loan agreement and they don't own some of the, the business? How is that structured? Yeah, there's different types of financial instruments you, you could take depending on what your needs are. Uh, are you trying to raise equity or you're trying to raise debt? Uh, these vehicles can be used for, for different uh, objectives. Uh, so it's about understanding what you're trying to do uh, and what's the best instrument to support your goals. Uh, so you know, having often having a uh, mix of both uh, is is important, uh, especially in hardware. So you know, it was for us, it was about really understanding what the costs are, how much does it cost to acquire a customer, how much does it cost to keep a customer, uh, now and into the future. What's the mix of channels that's required to really uh, drive awareness to these customers, uh, and making sure we're always in the forefront of that. Uh, you need to be in front of your customers in terms of their needs, but also where they are. Where do they live? Where do you find them? Uh, and so for us, that's a, a big challenge as well for the for the company. We do all our marketing internally as well, uh, not not reliant on agencies' uh, support. We do all that internally, and that's why we're now 20 full-time people. Uh, we have all those functions uh, internally because we stay, really again, really close to that customer, not just for what they need and what the product needs are, but mm. uh, for where you, where you find them. Mm. So what's so you and your co-founder still obviously own a percentage of the entity like and I'm just getting to the weeds like did you set up a trust structure to own your shares how, how have you done that yourself yeah so there's four of us uh, are co- uh, uh, as co-founders uh, and then there's a bunch of uh, we've got all our, of our team as well see it's, it's important it's important to when you're holding shares uh, whether that's as a direct shareholder, or even uh, as an option holder, share option holder. Often startup companies now offer what's called an ESOP, so employee stock ownership plan. Uh, holding those shares in a way that makes sense for for tax purposes is important. So 
uh, having a trust may make sense for for some people. Uh, hi- highly encouraged to always get tax advice for where that that works. Mm-hmm. Uh, often there's mechanisms and in, in the ATO policies that make it. Uh, sometimes ineffective to actually hold them in a trust and sometimes it's better to hold them under your own name. So it's about the needs of the individual. So do your research on the best structure uh, to hold shares in. Do you know, I I don't know, because I think they were changing it or going to, but in Australia it was of a detriment to the startup community because the ATO were taxing people uh, when they were given the option, not when the option was exercised. Do you know if they got around that and you might not know the answer of it. I don't know specifically that one, but I know there's, we've got really good tax considerations under the ESS, uh, ESS startup tax concession right. rules. Yeah. Uh, and, and that means that uh, when employees get uh, options, uh, they're not going to be taxed for them uh, until they eventually sell them. In yeah, the, I, think in that's the, event. The, I think that's the change that they made. But anyway, I'm, I'm way out of my depth. Um, there is a, the, the current one that's contentious uh, at the moment uh, is if you... Uh, normally what happens you have to hold shares for a year bef- uh, to qualify for the CGT yeah uh, the, 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 the capital gains tax the discount of 50% uh, but if holding them if you hold them under a, a family trust uh, it's currently uh, aren't, they're not sure if, if that under the startup rules if you hold your options for a year uh, that counts as holding the shares for a year. So it means if you hold options for a year and there's a liquidity event, you can sell those uh, shares straight away mm. uh, if you hold them under your own name. If you hold them under a, a trust, that is currently in contention with the ATO. So yeah. that's, that's why it's the, getting financial advice is important. Yeah, cool. So what does success look like for you and Espresso Displays? Yeah, success for, for all of us is really playing a part in this shift to work from anywhere. There is... Uh, as we all know, uh, hybrid working is becoming more mainstream, uh, and it's a it's a hot topic at the moment for companies to to be talking about how many days to work from home, how many days to be in office. They both have their benefits, uh, and we provide a solution that really helps uh, maximise an employee's productivity when they're working from anywhere. So if they're working from a coffee shop or at home, we've got customers who said they'd prefer working with our displays versus a, a fixed monitor because they can watch their kids from the kitchen table at the same time. So that's that's a huge benefit. Uh, and we want to help uh, drive that shift to making it easier to work from anywhere. And so for, for us, the more users, the more people we can get and, and help uh, take their, their work life to anywhere and travel the world, see the world at the same time as working, uh, that would be a, a huge win for us. Yeah, cool. Uh, and is there a, like do you pl- like what are the plans for the for the business itself? Like to scale up and list, keep it private. Like, have you had any thoughts with that? Yeah, hundred percent. So first and foremost, we feel like we in Australia are uniquely placed to create a company that. Uh, is going to help take this work from anywhere shift to help make it mainstream. Uh, and our, our goal, first and foremost, is to continue that product roadmap, keep delivering the experiences that only we're doing and our customers look to us uniquely for, and scale those to as wide as wide of an audience as possible. That's number one. Uh, you know, the way we define success, the way we get there, there's there's different things that can happen. You mentioned one liquidity event. There are a few others. Uh, but for us right now, the, the only plans is to, to keep growing, keep scaling uh, and, and keep delivering those experiences. And what, what, because the cool thing is about like USB 3, USB-C or whatever, like you don't have, you can be wherever. Like, so are you targeting different markets other than Australia? 
Yeah, for, for sure. Um, you know, just if I can quickly touch on yeah. that last that last question as well, uh, the Australian stock market is always hungry for new tech stocks. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, and there's there's not too much out there. You've got Breville, which has been successful for a long time, mm. but companies like you know Rode Microphone are, pri- are private; they're not yeah. public. Uh, but then you've got all your, your software companies, but not so much on the hardware side. Mm. So, and we talked before we started, like Black Magic, cool Australian story, right? Like, and they're a private company, and the guy's got more money than God. Um, which is kind of cool that it all came out of Melbourne, right? That's right, 100%. There's some of the coolest uh, companies, yeah, in, in the world are still private. Like you've got N- Nintendo that started off as a trading card company and now yeah. they make some of the best electronic experiences in the mm. world and still private. Where did the name Espresso come from? Yeah, so espresso. Uh, we we drink espresso. We love coffee. It kind of it's in our veins. It fuels a lot of the product development. A lot of what we do, uh, and it, it's it's a small drink, but when you take it, it packs a real punch. It helps you stay productive. So our devices and our products do the same thing. They're small, they're portable, fit in your bag, but at the same time, they help you do so much more from anywhere. What? Uh, so are you guys uh, out of Surrey Hills? Like, do you have your own coffee machine in the office? We do have a coffee what, machine. What is it? Do you know the model? Of it? No, it's a... Oh, <laughs> she doesn't drink coffee. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I think it's a DeLonghi or something. Oh, I'm yeah. going to guess it's a DeLonghi. Yeah, cool. But it's a, one of those ones, it's an automatic espresso machine. So, oh, you the button and it, pow, it does pow, everything. Pow, pow. To answer your question before, we so 50% of our users are in the US. So, awesome. Uh, America is huge for us. And, you know, developing Australian products that we export to the world uh, is, is a huge thing. And it's really important for us that we can deliver world-level experiences uh, from here in Australia. Did you have any delay with the stock and supply chains with COVID and is it still happening or did you have enough stock to get you through? Where was that at? Yeah, so that that is a global issue and, and it still is and it still will affect the world for months and mm. even years to come uh, because there's so many tiers. People are, you know, if you've got your iPhone, you've got inside there a circuit board that might have, it's got, you know, hundreds of components on there and each of them come from a different vendor. Uh, the raw materials come from a different vendor. So you have tiers of suppliers. So there's a huge domino effect that happens mm. uh, when uh, a company is requesting more of one item uh, than, than usual or, and that really affects down to the tier one, the raw material supplier. So these things can take months. So for us, we uh, planned accordingly and, and still not being as big as the, the huge companies out there, we were able to, to be agile uh, and be able to find supply where we needed and in sometimes redeveloping, redesigning different components and architectures mm. uh, using what was available. And so we we're we're very proud to say that uh, during this uh, during COVID we were still able to keep supplying, keep delivering uh, to our customers because we were prepared uh, and were able to navigate through. And I guess now that COVID's over, will you now physically get up to the states and start selling up there? Like, what are your plans with distribution? Yeah, so being in the US, being close to customers is imp- important. So for something that's something that we we are, we are talking about. Uh, Europe and the UK is another thirty percent of our user base, so being being there too is 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 a big deal, uh, and also being having the opportunity to to work from anywhere. You know, companies in twenty years' time are. Uh, going to be even more likely to allow employees to go travel the world at the same time uh, as as working, and we and we're a company that supports working from anywhere. Mm. Uh, we design the products to enable people to do that, uh, so it makes a, a lot of sense to to be there for for sales or for being close to the customer, and maybe even do design there. Uh, but uh, be a, being a global company now is is, is easier than ever. Mm. Uh, so yeah, we we 
definitely looking into that. And if you want to have a look at the displays, um, just go to Instagram, Espresso Displays. You can see it if you haven't already and give them a follow. It's a, it's a worthy follow. Well, like, do you want to mention anything that I haven't asked you? And while you think about that, I'm going to call Nathan, who edits our podcast. He doesn't know I'm calling. We'll see what he actually says about the displays. <laughs> is, he, is he using them? Yeah, probably. <laughs> Hello, Mr. Bossman. Hey, how are you? <laughs> Sorry. How you doing? Good. You're actually on loudspeaker. Um, yeah, I figured I could hear people in the background. <laughs> oh. Um, question. You're still using yeah. that espresso display that you got? Yes, yes. Um, do you like it? Uh, am I speaking with people from Espresso Display? Oh, no. <laughs> I love it. I think it's sick. I, is, that, is, that the tr- is that the truth? Is that the, just speaking your oh, microphone? Yeah, that's, that's genuine. I, I've always wanted like a portrait display, but it's so good being able to like fully uh, rotate, like um, touch screen, just the amount of times I just click a tab with my finger instead of having to use the mouse. Oh, like, yeah. Oh, have you oh, got the software installed? Awesome. Oh, yeah. So, Nate, I was, I was going to ask Will this because you're with Will, the co-founder. Um, hey, hey. <laughs> hey, good to meet you. Because um, when I plugged mine in at home to the Surface, it was just plug and play. I'm like, yeah, sweet. But I didn't install software. So, you reckon the driver and the software will give you a better experience? Right? Yeah, more so for Mac users. But uh, to give the example for your Surface, if you, if you install that software, you rotate the display. It's going to go inside the operating system settings of the PC and flip that around for you. So, it's like just like your phone. It's right. going to auto-rotate. Oh, Perfect. Well, there you go. Yeah. Well, see, I don't read instructions, so there's that. No, um, no, read instructions. It's all there. Um, I'll talk to you later, Nate. Thanks for that. See you, bye. Bye. Um, sorry. <laughs> we just wanted to get rid of him. But yeah, there you go. A live case. Okay, just finishing up. Like, you really want to get into this B2B space. And for those who don't know, that's business to business. So, like, selling to business. So, for example, if uh, I've got a team of, you know, four almost employing another one, I go, all right, I'm just going to buy five displays, give them to my staff, go on, go be more productive. You know, Nathan, like he actually froths on it. Um, he was telling me that. Um, and I, I wouldn't piece in your pocket. Like if, put it this way, if it was a piece of crap, you wouldn't be sitting on the lounge here. So there's that. Appreciate it. Um, so, yeah. So is it the B2B that you want to try and get some more kind of value for the business? Hundred uh, percent. Selling to selling to business uh, for us is a huge huge focus because we can uh, deliver that same level of consumer experience to more people, uh, and we are making it a lot easier to work from anywhere. So for for businesses that you know their staff are going from to and from the office on a on a daily basis, this is the one tool that they can take with them that will make them twice as productive from anywhere. So we really strive hard to deliver those same level quality experiences to businesses uh, and we currently are the best solution to be able to to work take your office anywhere mm. uh, you can fit your whole office your workspace in your backpack and that means businesses too yeah love that so like how have you like at the moment like unemployment rate it's just like 3.9 or something crazy right like and you've got 20 people and you're growing business how are you getting the best people in this market and do you have a job? 
because yeah, I want one. So a, <laughs> a year ago, we were four people in an office. Oh, and, wow. And now that's gone to 20. Uh, for us, being a consumer electronics company in Australia is a huge, unique selling point uh, because there's not many places in this country that you get to work on real products that helps people work better from anywhere, that improves people's lives from anywhere and reach a global audience. So the experiences, the products we deliver go all over the world and at any one time there's somebody using that and somebody using it to be better. Uh, and so being able to, whether that's helping you know, deliver that content you see on Instagram or if that's designing the next product that makes it out there, the next stand, uh, you know, the, the, the next big thing, uh, we have the opportunity to do that internally. And so we're always on the, on the lookout for, for talent, for young people that want to help make a difference and so that's engineering or marketing. You know, we, uh, as a growing company, we're, we're always have our ears open. Yeah, sweet. Well, we might leave it there. Thanks for giving us a bit of a deep dive under the hood. And, and while it wasn't, you know, and this podcast is probably a good advertisement for the My Millennial Business Podcast. Um, so, if you, you know, I ordinarily would have put it on the business podcast, but I just wanted everyone to be encouraged with an Australian startup. And, you know, it's not easy to start a tech company, but you're seeing that it's worth it, right? It's not easy, but it's worth it with a lot of things in life. So, so be encouraged. Um, but yeah, we might leave it there and you can jump online. We'll put a link in the show note if you want to buy a, a display. Well, what's the price point? What are we getting into a display for? Yeah, so the Display 15 Touch, which is our flagship product that delivers uh, on all those features, starts at seven forty nine yeah. Australian, uh, different for, for global, but uh, and there's accessories to go with that too. Yeah, so I mean, I would hypothesize, grab one of them, use it only for work at home, surely that's a tax-deductible item. Don't comment, you're not a tax advisor, neither that's am right. I. <laughs> but I mean, if I bought one for work, and only used it for work, guess what? I'm claiming it on my tax return as a work expense. Simple as that. Because it's a productivity thing. And I'm kind of, <sighs> I'm sorry I'm slouching, but when I'm relaxed, I slouch like a slob. Um, I'm, as a business owner, I'm like, my team, if they asked for anything productivity-wise, I'd pretty much do it for them. Like I've got a a $1,500 Harg Capsico ergonomic chair. If my team, and you're all listening, if they all emailed me and said, we want an ergonomic chair, I'd buy four of them tomorrow. Like don't care. If it makes your life better, like I'll invest in you. And I think as business owners, what makes a good business owner also makes a good property landlord. You're not a tight ass. You're not an asshole. You treat people with respect and you want to ret- retain and maintain a good relationship, right? 100%. Yeah. And that's what I want to be with my business and with my properties. So, um, cool. All right. Nice knowing you. Thanks for coming in. Thanks so much. Yeah, it was a pleasure being here. You should sponsor our podcast or do something with us. How do I do a pitch? I want to pitch you. Anyway, I'll, I'll chat with you guys because there could be some good alignment there. 100%. Get clear, clear's the one to speak to yeah. about that for sure. Just, you know, we'll have a coffee meeting. Just bring 500 grand <laughs> and you can sponsor the show. It's all good. All right. Thanks, guys. We'll, uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you.
we acknowledge the dark and young people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits, and pay respect to their elders, past and present. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. My Millennial Money supports A21, a charity focused on abolishing slavery and human trafficking all over the world. Check out a21.org.au for more info. If you would like some other giving options or if you're unsure about which charity you can support, head to thelifeyoucansave.org.au. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive, Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, is an authorized representative of Money Sherpa, Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.